Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Remember, Remember That Time I Got Cancer. I'm your host, Erica, and welcome to episode 23. I am very excited for this episode because today I have Rachel joining me again. I'm always excited to bring on guests, and there's a couple guest episodes coming up in the next couple of days, including this one. You have all heard from Rachel before, but in case you missed the last episode, Rachel and I have been best friends for so long now. I was going to say 10 years, but it's been like 15 because we're super old now. So she was, she moved to, to, she moved to London with me along with Emily. And so we, this was an adventure we got to go on together. And she also was part of my, my cancer adventure because she was there through all of it, she was actually the one who was there for my sort of initial diagnosis appointment, uh, my first oncology appointment. I will probably tell those stories another day. And then she came home from London as well and was able to come with me to some chemo appointments and just keep me company. So she's a really important part of my life and of this journey. And I am really excited that she can be here today. So let's get started. So hi, Rachel. Thanks for joining me again. Hey. Today, we're going to be talking about the new forest and our fun little trip there. And maybe we'll even make time to talk about our weird conversation with John when he was asking where the new forest was or where that was. We're like, it's at the new forest. Anyways, that's not important. But before we start talking about the new forest, I've been thinking recently, and I'm going to talk with Emily and John about this too, um, I've been thinking about when and how you found out that I had officially received my my cancer diagnosis, which of course came after Emily and John's wedding. Yes. So Emily and John were on their honeymoon. So Erica wisely chose to tell them later so they could enjoy their time together and not have it shattered, you know, by a cancer diagnosis. I had gone to Budapest for a couple days. And I remember I was sitting in the airport and Erica randomly calls me and it was kind of an odd time and she knew where I was. So I was like, okay, this is obviously probably something important. I hope she's okay. I knew she was there with her mom. My first thought was like, she had to go back into surgery for something. So I wasn't sure what was going on. Cause I feel like that was, it was like two weeks post-op. How, how just three? about, just about two weeks, just about two weeks, which was crazy that she was up and moving and was in a wedding and eating and being normal basically and that that's another thing I don't know if you want to talk about that now but just like the change in you post-op and how you had just like so much <laughs> now this is probably a good time yeah this probably um, makes sense you had like so much energy and I just remember you saying like that you felt better than you had in years and you didn't realize like how sick you had felt and how like weighed down and like sluggish and just how like everything in your body had just felt so wrong until you had suddenly had this giant mass removed and you were like, oh my God, this is what, this is how life is supposed to be. This is the life I'm supposed to be living, not in pain and fear and discomfort all the time. So that was interesting. And that also (laughs) kind of segues into our story at the New Forest, but more on that in a minute. Back to sitting in the airport in Budapest. I'm going to interrupt Rachel really quickly because I remember in my head as this was happening, I wanted to talk to her, but I didn't want to tell her what had happened specifically, even though 
she's not stupid and knew when my follow-up appointment was. I just wanted to talk to my friend. Anyways, go on. Yeah. So obviously the fact that she was calling me at a weird time when I was in an airport in Budapest, it kind of was an indication that something was strange because I figured if everything was well, she would have just texted me and been like, yep, all good. So when she called, I was like, okay, what's going on? And she tells me and she starts crying and I'm not a crier in the slightest. I I mean, I am more so now because I'm more in touch with my feelings and generally a more mentally healthy human being. But at the time, I had a lot of suppressed feelings and emotions and I was never a crier, but I started crying in the airport, freaked out my friend that I was with. (laughs) And so that was just a a strange experience because um, we had just been having a really good time after this horrible scare where she had cancer and we thought that it was over hopefully and that we wouldn't have to have any more bad news and we could just enjoy the rest of the time that we were all together in England. So that was really just like a a really sad crushing moment um, that I knew life was changing and it was going to be a, a new thing that we all had to cope with. And that's the story of how I ruined the end of Rachel's Budapest vacation. <laughs> Sorry. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I really had it in my head when all of this happened that I was going to keep it to myself until they were both, until each of them were back and I could, you know, crush their feelings after they were happy and not like while they were happy. But I'm also bad at keeping things to myself so I was really proud that I managed it with Emily but I'm pretty sure I just didn't communicate with her when you know her and John were having their honeymoon and Rachel made a good point is that after my surgery I it took about 10 days for me to like recover from surgery it was the day of Emily and John's wedding and I'm gonna get way more into that later this week and that was the first day that I felt really really alive for lack of a better word and from there things just kept getting better I had all of this energy I weighed you know 13 or 17 pounds less I you know it was just it was crazy and so Rachel and I especially knowing that our time in England now was limited and unfortunately more limited than we had planned initially I had really been planning and I told my doctors I was going to wait and stay out my visa and that we could start chemo after that and my my uh, American oncologist was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You have cancer and you need chemo and you're not waiting an additional, what would have been over four weeks, you're coming home now. And I just listened. I just did it. Why? Yeah, that, I don't was, know. that was a weird flex that we were going to be like, yeah, it's fine to wait. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I, I think we were all in a bit of a state of denial being like, yeah, it's fine. None of this is real. It's fine. We can wait an extra couple of weeks. It's a mostly fine cancer. It's like as safe as cancer can be. That's nothing. I had a one in 10 chance of dying. Those are, listen, those are good odds for cancer, but not good odds for a 23 year old. Anyway, so we decided we were going to enjoy England and we wanted to enjoy it the way we had really been enjoying it. And that was spending time walking in the countryside. And there was a specific place that I had had my heart set on visiting for a while 
because I have always been and will always be the weird horse girl. And there is a place in England, (laughs) (laughs) there is a place in England called the New Forest. And at the New Forest, there are essentially semi-feral domesticated ponies. Not like miniature horses. I always have to explain this to people who don't understand horses. Miniature horses are the ones that are like dog-sized, right? Ponies are between that and like basically regular horse size. Again, audio medium, here I am gesturing around my own head. So these ponies are all just a bit shorter than the average horse. Most of the ponies we interacted with while we were there could have been ridden by the average human. Yeah, they were pretty large. They're pretty big. Some of them, and some of them I think were probably not even in the pony classification. I won't explain to everyone how you classify a pony versus a horse because it's not important for the context of this. Go off, horse girl. But basically, most of these were just shorter than than the average horse. So still big creatures. Big creatures. I believe she's trying to make. Yes. This was not like frolicking with miniature horses the size of sheep. This was... We were basically walking around random people's property and forests and fields and marshes with horses. Now, the one thing they tell you when you visit the new forest is that you shouldn't touch or feed the ponies. So, of course, we touched and fed the ponies. Rachel brought the apples. We also snacked on the apples. We were hungry and we spent a whole day walking. I forget how many steps we did that day. I remember looking at our devices and being like, that's so many steps. Yeah, so basically we took a train to the New Forest. It was a pretty early train, as I recall, because Rachel was sleeping and I was trying to see ponies out the window. And then it was time to go out on our adventure. And it did not take us long at all to find our first little cluster of ponies. And yeah, it's really cool because it's just you go to this charming little town and then you just keep walking. I think it was across a bridge and then suddenly there are ponies. Yeah. So you you cross over into this area and you you do you sort of step out of the village and into these fields. And it started out being like a typical like almost like a sheep field, except instead of sheep, there were ponies and they were mostly wild. Some of these ponies wear collars. But but Rachel at that point got an apple out and was breaking it off into pieces so that she and I could feed the ponies. And I think with the first group, that went pretty well. Yeah, they they took them nicely and, and they were nice. And they there was a couple there that let us touch them and it was fine. Yeah, I think eventually there was a mare in that group that was like sort of done with the whole interaction because she wanted all of the apples. But once we showed that we were like done and walking away, they also were like done and walking away. They didn't decide they needed to follow us and continue to hound us for our apples, which was my initial fear is what was going to happen. We sort of moved on and the whole the whole purpose of this day was that we were just going to walk and see all of these ponies. And it was it's a really beautiful area. So we walked out of this field and really into the beginnings of the forest. And I just want to remind everyone, this is like just, this maybe was three weeks post-op, but I don't even think it was three full weeks post-op that we were doing all of this walking. So I had a reasonably fresh incision as we're doing all of this. And we walked through the woods and it was really quiet. It was a not a rainy day, but it had been a wet misty. couple of weeks. It was misty. The ground it was, was wet and sloppy. <laughs> It was November, so it was chilly. It was kind of chilly, yeah. But yeah, it was nice. You move sort of through, you know, you'll go through some forested areas. It's all trees and honestly really well-kept trails. And then you'll come into like a marshy area. 
Now, as we entered the marshy area, this should have been the clue to like go a different direction and not, oh, tramp through the marsh. You know, at times getting like, you try to go from like little like plop of like dirt because like marshes are, are lumpy, right? And there's like watery areas and there's like little elevated spots. And you try to step. We were literally elevated. hopping on dirt clods. Yeah, dirt clods. That's that's what I'm going for. And I had on my wellies and my welly socks. And we should have given up as we came to the marsh, especially because our feet, when they got caught in these muddy areas, it got sucked in and we had to do a good bit of pulling to get them out, which again, not probably the best idea on the happy little fresh incision. But I am stubborn and I wanted to. Also, and then we didn't know how deep it was. We that's like, true. There could have been very deep spots that we could have fallen in and gotten sucked in and died. Yeah. In hindsight. We could have become bog bodies. Yep. That's yeah, that's literally what the stuff was. I think it was that weird peat Yeah, it was like moss. But as we're in this marsh, I think the reason we decided to go clomping through the marsh is we were like, well, there's, you know, there's maybe we'll get through the marsh and on the other side of the marsh there's like more trees. We'll find more ponies. But then we saw this group of deer, little deer, and there was a white one. So there was this white deer, it was a female deer, so a white heart that was leading a group of like four other, four or five other like brown deer of the same size. And it seemed really magical because like the, the brown deer should have gotten as far away from this white deer as possible. It's a, it's a evolutionary thing. They stay away from the albino animals because the albino animals can't stay away from predators because they don't have camouflage. But here are these deer following this white deer. And I was, I'm always trying to fall into a magic portal to a different world. Yeah, it seemed very Faye-esque. We were going we were to Middle Earth. <laughs> you know, I say that. And I think there's definitely a part of me that would have been 100% game. Yep. And you know what? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So we were slightly more likely to fall into a magical world by following the weird deer than by not following the, the weird deer. And so we followed the weird deer. And we, like, we never got that close. We got pictures. So we have plenty of pictures of, of this mystical occurrence. But it did lead us through a marsh. And that was sort of a problem. It also led us to a further problem. So we, we follow these deer through this marshy area and towards the next set of trees that the deer escape us. And as we're in this next set of trees, we see a bunch of brown backs ahead. And we're like, ooh, ponies. So we start going closer to see the ponies. But what did we see instead, Rachel? A huge herd of giant elk with elk. more than one male among them and lots of females. Right. There were at least three bull elk with pretty large antler situations. And I swear this herd had to be 30 animals. It was huge. It was the biggest. massive. I've never seen a herd of elk that big. Not that I've seen many herd of elk. We live in Pennsylvania. Right. We live in Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania. Well, right. We grew up in Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania wilds and elk are a thing. And there's like an elk farm near-ish to where we grew up. Elk farm? Refuge? Doesn't matter. I've never seen this many elk. And I knew as soon as we stepped out from the cover of those trees that we had made a mistake. Yeah, because we really couldn't tell until we got quite close to them that they were not ponies. 
yeah, the sort of distance where I feel like they could have gotten to us in 10 seconds. Yeah. And, and there would have been absolutely nothing we could have done about it. Right. The we, ground was we, marshy. At this point, it was the marsh. So, like, we would fall if we tried to run. And Luckily, running would have been bad anyway. Right. Running would have been a bad idea. Luckily, it wasn't like the rutting season. It wasn't like the, the calfing season. So we did run into these elk at the best possible time of year. But nobody tells you about the elk when you're going to the new forest. I didn't know the UK had heard of elk like that. I, I thought either. in England, all the big animals were hunted to extinction. Not so. They were so big. I was, it was only in that moment that I was like, what we are doing is mad stupid all of yeah, this and is a this bad was idea. also way out in the countryside too like we had been walking for a couple miles at that point and there was oh, yeah. no other people around i doubt if there was cell service i don't remember for sure but i very I'm much doubt i'm quite there was confident there was not there. cell service so if those elk had attacked and trampled us there really wasn't much we could do nope we would have died and I was thinking we had passed some time back, like an observation deck that was clearly owned by a private person. And I was like, how far are we from that? Could we run to that before the elk catch us? Absolutely not. No yes, no. Elk so, are huge and fast. They're so huge and so fast. And as we like broke the tree line, they looked at us. A number of them, like the bulls, the bulls raised their head and looked over and I went, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and I just remember... I feel like both of us just went totally silent for a second as we both tried yeah. to calculate what to do. And then they just, like, left. They did. They started, like, grazing. They were, like, grazing in the marsh, and they sort of went about what they were doing. They started to mosey off, and we moseyed back the way we came, away from the very big animals. That should have been our cue to be like, okay, we have survived certain death at the terrifying hooves and antlers of the elk and we sort of were heading back towards town by a roundabout way i actually don't think we had any idea which direction we were headed because we didn't go back the way we came we sort of looped through other tree filled woods we saw a mare with a it wasn't like a baby foal it was probably close to being a yearling but it was little they both had collars on not all the ponies had collars on and also that mare didn't want us anywhere near her baby. She wasn't mean, but she did keep pushing the baby away from us. And I was like, okay, we'll leave you alone before you get mad. Somewhere on the way back to town, I put my foot in the marsh and my boot got stuck. But my foot slipped right on out of the welly boot and I slurped my sock foot into the marsh water. And that was just the worst. I think we probably had to walk over a mile with me in a wet sock before we found like an outdoor store that could sell me another welly sock. They own and they only had like one pair too. It was like a camping supply store and they had one pair of welly socks. And I was like, I will thank you for those welly socks. And they I still have them. Ten pounds too. <laughs> they were expensive. But I still have them. And when I am cold, I wear them. As we were making our final approach to get back into town or back into a town, Rachel and I got separated by an animal that I still think of as a Kelpie. For those who aren't familiar, Kelpies are Scottish water demons in the shape of a horse, traditionally a wet black horse. And this was a wet black horse. And it like came out of the gutter. It was very weird. We were walking and there was like a gutter down alongside of the road. 
and there was a tree. And then all of a sudden this head comes poking out around side the tree and it's this wet black horse and it looks at us and we look at it and it starts to come out. And I was like, oh, okay, cute. I will just feed it. This is fine. This was <laughs> so like the only horse that was not fine. So I take out an apple and I like hold it out to it and it takes it. And this one magically knows that I have more apples. And so it very aggressively trots toward me trying to get more apples. And I'm like, no, no. And, and so Erica and I like quickly but calmly go in opposite directions to try and confuse the thing. It's like in the way it went, it was like blocking our path the way we needed to go. So what even ended up happening? I think I just like tossed an apple. Like I, I made sure that it was like coming toward the apple and then I tossed the apple and it finally just trotted off. But it was extremely weird. And it was it was aggressive. It was the only horse we encountered that was aggressive. When we got separated, I was like, oh boy. I think because Rachel headed generally in a direction that was more towards where we were going and I had just reversed because I was sitting here thinking, I do not have the strength. Like I have more strength and vitality than I've had in months, if not years, but I certainly don't have the strength to fight off a horse. And this horse was like determined to get all of our apples. And it it just didn't, it didn't seem to want us where we were either. And at this point we were actually walking along the road. And I don't know if horses generally aren't territorial like that. Certainly not at humans. Not that I have extensive experience with, you know, feral horses, but territoriality, they're not, they're not dogs. Anyways, it was just, it was gutter, I guess. It liked its gutter. Anyways, that was our run in with a Kelpie. So twice we were in like a reasonable amount of danger. And here I am like mm, two, maybe three weeks post-op, you know, still healing up from surgery. It was dramatic. But was what was nice about all of this is it was nice to think about like imminent sources of death and not like long-term sources of potential death. That was its own kind of nice. No one else is going to think that's funny but me. <laughs> Guys, I'm trying to keep it light, and it's real hard. I just thought all this would be way funnier than it is. And I still think it's funny. Like, all this is still funny to me. But I think everyone's just going to be like, oh, but it's so dramatic. Anyways, so the last sort of thing on our trip to the New Forest was one of the best dinners I can remember having. And it was at this, like, really pricey private pub. And Rachel and I actually split a dinner because we were like, this sounds perfect it was a a I told you before about eating at a place with a steak stone this also had a steak stone but what came out was not just steak but also duck and venison and lamb so it was like this I think they called it like the hunter's platter or something so this whole idea like you know this variety of meats that we could cook on the steak stone it was so yummy I think about that meal sometimes I've just sent you um pictures of our adventure you just said we're on my Instagram. That's exciting. <laughs> Did you have an Instagram when we were in England? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. It's so pretty. And the marsh was so scary. It's the Kelpie. Is that the Kelpie? Yeah, that's the Kelpie. Oh, man. Rachel has a picture of the Kelpie and everything. <laughs> um, If I had enough listeners that cared, I would have like a special website where I would post these photos, but I don't. But if you want to see Rachel's Instagram... You can find her at Rachel B. Mazza on Instagram. 
Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-E-L. The letter B, Mazza, M-A-Z-Z-A. Anyways, I guess that's the, the our tale of going to the new forest. And that's probably why my doctors really hate me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we didn't tell your mother about that. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in today. And um, thanks also to Julius H. for this song, Beltane, which I found on Pixabay. Also, please remember, I still want to do an Ask Me Anything episode. So if you have any questions, you can send it to my email. That's ericaleeconklin at gmail.com. Erica, E-R-I-C-K-A, Lee, L-E-E, Conklin, C-O-N-K-L-I-N at gmail.com. Now, before I go, don't forget, support single-payer healthcare, go get your damn vaccines, COVID-19 is real, and thanks to the NHS for supporting my continued existence. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.